right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Tuesday afternoon. This is not Derek Johnson. This is Lane Gillespie. And this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017-1320 KLWN. Got a good show for you today. We're going to start things off with some Kansas basketball news. We'll, of course, have the best of RCST trivia today. We'll finish off the second round in today's edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Then got a couple top tens for you later today, both done by Derek ahead of time. And uh, with this being Top 10 Tuesday, you know, with the Top 10s happening today, we're going to provide you with two Top 10s here today. One of them being individual performances in the NCAA tournament. The other, the Top 10 plays against Providence in the Sweet 16 matchup. First off, some Kansas basketball news. It's nothing major, and a lot of the stuff we already heard ahead of time, but it's completely finalized. The non-conference schedule for the upcoming Kansas basketball season completely finalized that ranges from the beginning of the season all the way to the big 12 sec challenge uh, when it comes to the non-conference opponents going to go ahead and uh, read those off to you talk a little bit more about that Uh, so only one exhibition matchup this season like they have been doing for the last couple of seasons mainly due to covid it kind of surprised me they're still sticking with the one exhibition game because in the past they've done two uh, to start off the season, you know, it's normally Washburn and Pittsburgh State, and then the year after it will be like Fort Hayes State and Emporia State, uh, the Division Two uh, schools here in Ka- uh, in the state of Kansas. But it's just one this year, and it's Pittsburgh State that is going to come to Allen Fieldhouse for the exhibition matchup that will be on Wednesday, November second. Uh, the times have not been released, but presumably, like they have been for a lot of non-conference matchups. Uh, during the uh, midweek, like Monday through Friday, uh, that's like not on the week during the weekday. I don't know why I just didn't say that. During the weekday, usually those games will start at uh, seven o'clock p.m. with uh, m- them mostly uh, being on ESPN Plus. So yeah, that will be Pittsburgh State to start off uh, for the uh, exhibition matchup, the one game that will not count. Uh, then they'll have about four days off before coming back that next Monday. Uh, to face off against Omaha, then later that week, again, uh, on Thursday, they'll be at home against North Dakota State. Probably a matchup with, uh, or a rematch with North Dakota State after they cut things extremely close a couple of seasons ago. That was in the uh, 2020-21 season. There were no fans in attendance, so I know that had a bit of a factor. So now, North Dakota State will come to Allen Fieldhouse with a full 16,300 at their belt. So two regular season games... Before the Champions Classic. Now, the reason that they've done that in years past, and I don't know if it's the same this year, uh, like in 2018, for example, they kind of moved it uh, back or moved it forward, I guess, uh, the Champions Classic, mainly just because of um, Election Day. 
with with election day being about a week before the Champions Classic, they want to make sure because I'm pretty sure that cause it's in Indianapolis, it's at Gainbridge Field House. It's quite possible Gainbridge Field House will be a voting spot in Indianapolis. So they want to make sure that they get everything cleared out in a way before setting up the uh, Champions Classic. And KU will go against Duke and their first-year head coach. So that will be their Champions Classic matchup in Indianapolis at Cambridge Fieldhouse, like I said. Cambridge uh, Fieldhouse, my bad. I pronounced that wrong. And they will go... Uh, why am I blanking on the name of the uh, um, of Duke's first-year head coach next season? Anyway, um, I'll figure that out. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, skip on forward uh, for the uh, the remaining of the uh, non-conference play. After the Champions Classic, they'll come back home, play against Southern Utah Friday, November 18th at Allen Fieldhouse before traveling down to the Bahamas for the Battle for Atlantis. I think it's the first time they've been at the Battle for Atlantis since... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say 2013. Um, I don't remember if they went at some point after that. I'll have to make sure. I'll have to take a look. And I'll read to you the remainder of the field uh, for the Battle for Atlantis this upcoming season. I know the one that I remember was in 2013-14 season with Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. Um, so I'll have that figured out. That will be, uh, Wednesday or uh, sorry, November's 23rd through the 25th. That is Wednesday through Friday. That's why I said that. So I think that is Thanksgiving week and, uh, the semifinal day, the Thursday, uh, I believe is Thanksgiving, November 24th. I'll have to check that to make sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, after the battle for Atlantis, they'll return home. And face off against Texas Southern for another home matchup. And then later that week, that, that Texas Southern game will be uh, November 28th. Then December 1st will be the Big 12 Big East Challenge against Seton Hall this time. They'll go against Seton Hall at home uh, for the Big 12 Big East Challenge, which last year was on the road against... I think it was on the road against St. John's last year. Yeah, it was on the road against St. John's. Um, after that, probably, other than the Big 12 SEC Challenge, probably, or even even including that, probably the most hyped non-conference game. That will be the Border Showdown, but it will be in Columbia at Mizzou Arena, December 10th. That's a Saturday. And I'm pretty sure all eyes, or at least a lot of the eyes around college basketball will be centered around the Kansas-Missouri matchup for the Border Showdown. So that one will be a lot of fun. A week from then, another tough matchup. And this is honestly a matchup, a home matchup that I did not expect for non-conference play. At home, December 17th against Indiana. You know, they're a coveted program, but recently they've sort of fallen off the spectrum of, um, you know, being super duper successful or at least as uh, big as they were a few years ago when they had like Victor Oladipo. Uh, and those kind of guys, uh, and they were actually like making deep runs in the NCAA tournament. But in recent years, they've kind of fallen off. Uh, I wouldn't say fallen off the grid, but they have been falling off at least a little bit. Uh, so that's that. That one will be a very interesting matchup again, December seventeenth at home against Indiana. And I think 
Um, that'll be around the time that not as many students will, well, actually some students might stick around because I think that's the day after finals. So some students might stick, usually that happens a lot. Like students will stick around before they have to go home because it's winter break and stuff like that. Then the final non-conference game before conference play starts because there's still the Big 12 SEC challenge in the middle of conference play. But the final non-conference play before Big 12 play begins is at home against Harvard on December 22nd. And that is a good matchup. That matchup is actually needed because they were supposed to play each other last season before Harvard. Uh, A lot of their team members were, I don't know if they tested positive for COVID or if they were in close contact or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But, um... They basically they had to cancel the game against Harvard last year, and they had to. Uh, they decided to now spring it back over and uh, start it up again. I think that's great. I think that's. Uh, I think that's uh, phenomenal. So yeah, that's a matchup that will that will be the final non-conference matchup before conference play begins on December thirty-first on New Year's Eve. That is when Big Twelve play will begin, uh, and that is what is listed down below. So, um, and I am looking ahead and. I believe, just thinking about um, the uh, battle for Atlantis, yeah, I think 2013 was the last time that they were at uh, the Bahamas and that they were in the battle for Atlantis. Yeah, indeed they were. It was 2013, the year with uh, Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. Uh, I think they did not do so well. Uh, I'll have to take another look. Um, But anyway. Uh, that is, uh, that'll be something to look out for the battle for Atlantis. Um, so pretty decent non-conference schedule. Oh, by the way, big 12 SEC challenge, January 28th. That'll be at Rupp arena. Anyway, pretty good non-conference schedule. Pretty tough. I guess I should say, um, because honestly, like Southern Utah, decent team, North Dakota state gave us a run for their money or gave KU a run for their money. Omaha should be a fairly easy game. Seton Hall's a good team. Indiana could prove their worth quite a bit. Uh, Missouri, it'll be enemy territory, but uh, we've all seen the all the memes and all the jokes that nobody shows up to Missouri games, so I don't know if that will stay the same. Uh, probably not because it's a rivalry game. Um, I think the battle for Atlantis will probably be the toughest little... St- okay, honestly, I think the November 15th through the 25th I think will be the toughest stretch for KU because you have Duke in the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. Going against uh, John Shire, that's the name. John Shire, the who will be the new head coach under uh, the Duke Blue Devils or for the Duke Blue Devils. So that is who Kansas will face off against in the Champions Classic. So Michigan State and Kentucky will be the other one. So it, I, hmm, it makes me think because there are two games that go on that day, um, and I think. What may happen is Kansas becomes the second game, quite possible. I, I think that's what will happen. I think Kansas will become the second game. Um, so, yeah, uh, for the Champions Classic. Because, you know, Michigan State struggled here and there. There's a reason why they were the early game for the Champions Classic last year with Kansas beating them badly, I guess I should say. Um, and then Duke and Kentucky, Mike Krzyzewski, John Calipari battling it out. 
I think it will. Yeah, I think it will be the second game of the day, which normally means a nine o'clock tip off. So that's not going to be a fun night. But anyway, um, because it will be uh the du- the two teams that made the final four, uh Duke losing in the final four to North Carolina and then Kansas winning the national championship. So yeah, I think I think that will be the uh second game. Uh, and then now let's look ahead to the battle for Atlantis. And I now just did my I just now looked it up. Kansas finished in third place in the 2013 Battle for Atlantis. Villanova won it all. They won an overtime over Iowa uh, that season. But Kansas finished at the third place. Uh, they finished in third place because they beat Wake Forest, lost to Villanova by four, and then won by four against UTEP for the uh, for the third place game. Anyway, uh, the field this year for the Battle for Atlantis is there are eight teams. It'll be KU, of course, BYU, Butler, Dayton, so that would be a fun rematch, NC State, USC. I don't know what USC it is, if it's Southern Cal or South Ca- South Carolina. I think uh, Southern California, which is a pretty darn good program in recent years. Finished off by Tennessee and Wisconsin. Now, the full schedule has not come out yet for who will play who uh, for the first game and so on and so on. And basically, like, these will be the times or whatever. That has not been announced yet. You know, especially because there's four games per day uh, in the Battle for Atlantis. So they, they still have to figure that out. Uh, so that will be down at the Bahamas, Paradise Island, playing at Imperial Arena. So that'll be fun. You know, try to get the Battle for Atlantis after falling in third place in 2013. So, yeah, that'll be fun. So all in all, in non-conference play, and if not, I'm not going to include the Pittsburgh State game just because it's not going to show up on the final record. So Pittsburgh State, yeah, that'll be a home game, and you got and somebody, you know, you guys can go check that out. But in non-conference play, there will be seven home games with Omaha, North Dakota State, Southern Utah, Texas Southern, Seton Hall, Indiana, then Harvard, and then Big Twelve play will start on New Year's Eve. So yeah, pretty good non-conference match. I, it's going to be tough. I honestly do see maybe one or two losses in non-conference play. I I I mean. I, I, Possibly Duke, and then somewhere in uh, Battle for Atlantis. I do see that as quite a possibility of a couple of losses in non-conference play. Uh, I mean before conference play starts, because I know you have Kentucky, but that would be a good rematch. But it'll be tough having to go against Oscar Shebway for the second year in a row, so that's the other thing. So That's a non-conference matchup for Kansas basketball. It's going to be a fun season, in my opinion, especially trying to run it back after winning it all a season ago. This is Lane Gillespie. Got some RCST trivia coming for you on the other end of this break. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Back for another top 10 list as I'm away enjoying my vacation. Hello, future Derek. Hello, future RCST audience. The top 10 list we're going to get to in this edition is the top 10 best individual performances for KU in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Before we get into the list, I did want to make mention of some honorable mentions. 
Um, David McCormick against Miami, 15 points, goes 6 of 7. Huge start to the second half. He only played 18 minutes, though. I only had, a, a you know, like three or four rebounds, so um, maybe hard getting him on the list over a couple other guys. Jalen Wilson in the title game ties for the team lead of 15 points. Dewan Harris, statistically, didn't have something that put you on the top 10 list in the title game, but he had the impact that would at least deserve some uh, honorable mention here. Um, man, so many great performances. Uh, you could probably add in, you know, uh, Ochag Baji in the title game. Uh, it wasn't like an unbelievable performance, but at least honorable mention there. But with that said, let's get into the top 10. Number 10. The 10th best individual NCAA tournament performance by KU player this past NCAA tournament. Christian Brown against Creighton. Went for 13 points. He was 5 of 9 from the field, so he's efficient. Had 8 rebounds, 4 assists. It, it maybe gets lost in the cause a little bit because you think of that game being the Remy Martin game or you think of uh, just kind of the big plays late, whether it was the David McCormick block or the Ochag Baji steal and dunk, Jalen Wilson grabbing the rebound off the missed free throw and everything. But Christian was, was really solid that entire game. Had some big transition buckets, really good rebounder in the game, and he helped KU... Um, kind of convert a, a lot of those transition opportunities that helped them stay in front despite the barrage of threes that Creighton was putting on. He just had a, a really solid overall game. There's some other good contenders for number 10, but uh, when you match the, the kind of total stats there and the efficiency, Christian Brown there against Creighton in at number 10. Number nine. Ninth best performance, also Christian Brown, this time in the title game against North Carolina. Not an ultra efficient game. It wasn't a poor efficient, poor or Bad efficient guy. I don't know how I would say that. Uh, 12 points. More shots than points. You never love to see that, which is why I say that. But still, 6 of 14. That's not like that's still a solid percentage. Um, but when you just look at what he did in the second half, it becomes even more impressive. And the other thing he did, he had 12 rebounds, which was huge. He also had three assists in the game against North Carolina. So 12 and 12, three assists. Uh, he was obviously a, as big as anyone starting the second half for KU to give them that momentum. And that goes into it as well for KU. They obviously don't win the title with it. I mean, with as close of a title game as it was, you could say that about anyone who played and, and say, yeah, they don't win the title without him because it was such a small margin. But it's especially true with how important he was to start that second half and really get the momentum on KU's side, which is why it's in, in number nine. Number eight. Number eight. Jalen Wilson against Providence. Kind of the same thing as Christian. Not an ultra-efficient game from Jalen in that win against Providence. You're talking about as many shots as you had points there. But again, you put up uh, big numbers with a double-double. One less rebound than Christian had in the title game. Four more points. And yes, you could say Christian's came in the title game, so it should be a better performance. But I would just say this, but because of the Providence game, there were even less players for KU who were kind of going off, who were clicking offensively. Even though, again, it wasn't ultra-efficient for Jalen, not really anyone in that game was efficient for either team. So, I mean, it's a couple players, which makes what he did and, and just grinding to get those points in a defensive battle even more important for KU to sneak by a close game in the Sweet 16 to even allow them to continue their tournament run and eventually get to the title game. Jalen was huge in that game. The play that always will stick out is the big and one kind of spin into Horkler he had that gave them back the lead after Providence had just gone in front. Number seven. Seventh best individual performance of the 2022 tournament ride for KU. Ochag Baji against Miami. Talk about efficiency here. 18 points, 
He went 8 of 12 from the field, 2 of 2 from downtown. He had 5 rebounds. He had 4 assists, 4 steals. So he filled up the stat sheet. He was ultra efficient. He was huge in the second half for KU. I think 12 of those 18 came in the second half when KU really put the onslaught on Miami. Had that big play where Jalen Wilson saves it in bounds, kicks it to him to the corner. He knocks down the triple. Ochai was great in that Miami game. Number six. Six best individual performance. Uh, Remy Martin. Haven't had said his name yet here on this one. Uh, Remy Martin against North Carolina. Um, I don't know. Honestly, you could you could argue this could be higher on the list. And now that I'm putting it here, I'm kind of wondering if I should have put it higher. He had 14 points on five of nine shooting. He had three rebounds against North Carolina. So the, the reason that it's six and not in the top five is some of the other ones I'm going to mention, it's just the pure stats are just better, like more total points or maybe slightly better efficiency or more other stats to fill it out than just three rebounds. But in terms of importance, I mean, think about the shots that Remy Martin made to earn those 14 points. So he banks in a three in the first half. Honestly, didn't really look totally right in the first half. Second half was unbelievable. He hits the... Uh, the two corner threes, he hits the step back three at the right wing over Armando Baycott. He hits the insanely tough kind of left-handed layup over Armando Baycott. Um, could be higher in terms of importance, but if we're just basing it off, you know, the stats and, and that type of individual performance, I think number six, I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself back into that it was the right spot. Let's get into the top five. Number five. So again, if we're saying Remy should be in the top five there, um, it would have to, first of all, clear this one. Ochag Baji against Villanova. And that's where you run into issues because Ochai um, had 21 points on eight shots. That is stupid efficiency. He only had two rebounds and one block, so he didn't fill up the stat sheet. But again, he was six of seven from three. 21 points on eight shots. That's remarkable against Villanova. And it was an onslaught early because of Ochai. They end up pulling away late and blow him out. Um, who knows how that game goes if Ochai doesn't have that start, though, right? Is it is it kind of a, a close game, and then when Villanova makes their run, instead of getting it down to five or, or six or whatever it was, all of a sudden are they leading by a couple points? You know, how does that go? But Ochai was just on another level of professional shot-making in that game against Villanova. Number four. Fourth best individual performance, Remy Martin against Creighton. So again, like this is this is tough to compare because you could say well, with the importance of the title game, the Remy Martin one against North Carolina should be ahead of the one against Creighton. But the one against Creighton, he had six more points. He had 20 points on seven of 14 shooting. Um, so it's about the same field goal percentage too between the two. But he had more other stats as well against Creighton. Instead of three rebounds against North Carolina, he had seven. Um, he had four assists against Creighton as well. He did everything for KU, 27 and four off the bench. And... Like, I, I I mean, again, you could argue the North Carolina one because of the big moments in the second half, but I guess I would counter with this for why the Remy Martin one is number four. If Remy Martin isn't playing in that Creighton game, or if Remy Martin just has like a, you know, six-point game or something off the bench, KU's probably going home in the second round to Creighton. So they don't even get to the title game at that point. So I guess that's why that is number four on the uh, individual performances. He was so good in that game. He was the best player for KU in that Creighton game. Number three. Third best individual performance. Also, Remy Martin, this time against Providence. So same kind of argument there. You could say if, if Remy Martin didn't have this performance, 
Then they just go home in the Sweet 16 before they get to another round. He had his uh, NCAA tournament high of 23 points. He went 7 of 14 shooting, so the same he did against Creighton, but three more points because of free throws. He also had seven rebounds. He had three assists. And that Providence game, unlike the Creighton game, was more of a defensive battle, like we mentioned with Jalen Wilson. So being able to score in that game was even uh, of more importance, even uh, tougher to come out with. And the big difference between the Providence game and the Creighton game, like the Creighton game, it, it was mostly about the first half. I think Remy had 14 of his 20 in the first half against Creighton. Against Providence, it was a little bit more spread out between the two halves. And also in the Providence game, he made a huge defensive play. He took that charge. Providence was up one with the ball about to run out in transition. Um, had all the momentum. Remy Martin takes a charge. Then KU goes down and, and takes back the lead. That was a huge performance for him. Remy Martin all over this list. Number two. Number two is David McCormick against North Carolina. Might have thought that would have been the number one when you hit those two big shots at the end there. Had 15 points, 10 rebounds. Unbelievable in that game down the stretch. Probably should have won Final Four MOP. But the only reason it's not number one is because the number one... Number one. Is... Also David McCormick, but against Villanova. Um, it's hard to argue... If you're just looking at individual performance, the Villanova one wasn't even more impressive than the North Carolina one. For the North Carolina one, um, and, and this wasn't just about Dave, but KU did get kind of worked on the glass, especially in the first half. That was partially because of Dave. So, again, like he still ended up with the last laugh, had an unbelievable game. But if you're just trying to distinguish between one and two, you do have that slight negative against you. Whereas the number one against Villanova, he also went for 25 points, so 10 more points. He had nine rebounds, and the efficiency was remarkable. 10 of 12, he was hitting hook shot after hook shot. Uh, he was making some tough where he was getting bumped kind of up and down. He has that incredible dunk over Jermaine Samuels. Dave McCormick against Villanova, that was the best individual NCAA tournament performance for a KU player this year. That is our uh, latest top 10 list. Back to you guys or commercial. This is RCST. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Sup, bro? Derek Johnson here. I'm out in Germany, but left some presents for Lane and Company. We've been uh, going through our top 10 lists for KU basketball in all of their six NCAA tournament games, all of their six NCAA tournament wins and the top 10 plays for KU in each of those games. Um, the last two that we've done, we did Texas Southern, we did Creighton. Let's keep going in succession. On to the Sweet 16 and the win over Providence. Top 10 plays for KU in that win over Providence. Let's get it going. Number 10. Number 10. Uh, it's first half of the game. Providence and Kansas are playing a defensive slugfest. 
KU's up 13-6, little under 12 minutes to go in the first half. Drive by Providence to the right. Um, looks like they're going to maybe get a bucket over Remy Martin. Just to size differential. Mitch Lightfoot comes over from the weak side to help in rim protection. Swats it out of bounds and keeps what was a remarkably great first half defensively for KU against Providence. Providence it keeps the score at 13-6. Number nine. Ninth best play on the list for KU. Drive from Providence doesn't go. They get the putback, and then it is swatted to the side by Ochagbaji when the game is 4-4, under 15 minutes to go in the first half. Um, this was more of a, I guess, uh, I don't know, recollection of all of the Ochagbaji blocks. He had four blocks in that game against Providence. He was great defensively. Didn't really get it going offensively, but he still found a way to make an impact with that defensive play, so that deserved to at least get some mention on the list and in at number nine. Number eight. Number eight, Remy Martin tied 4-4. A little bit after that block, 14 and a half to go. Remy's driving to the right, takes a scoop shot layup, takes some contact as it kind of keeps the ball away from his body, and he just scoops it in. Another beautifully uh, well-executed layup from Remy Martin that we saw so many of during the NCAA tournament run. Number seven. Seventh best play, 28-19. Kansas leads it a little under 18 minutes. The second half has just begun in this one after that really low-scoring first half of play between KU and Providence. And Dewan Harris takes it to the right side on a drive. I, I mentioned back in the top 10 list for Texas Southern. You see the one play um, where he strips the ball away, and then that led to the conversation about he had that similar play against North Carolina, strips it away, and he's immediately doing the fist pump. He has this one against Providence where he drives it, takes a lot of contact, finishes through the guy's body on contact, gets the roll on the layup, and he's standing under the hoop whole time as he's starting to get the roll, fist pumping as well. I love the Dewan Harris fist pump. That on its own gets it in the list. But the play itself, really good as well. That was number seven. Number six. Six best on the list. High pick and roll for Remy Martin. KU up 24-15. Final minute of the first half. Um... He gets the switch onto Horkler, the kind of forward for Providence, and he gets a pretty good contest on it, but Remy takes kind of a tilted back, fading jump shot from in the semicircle at the free throw line, knocks it down, nothing but net, helps extend KU's lead at the halftime break, and obviously they go on to win the game. Number five. Into the top five, KU leads 11-6 early in the second half, little under 13 minutes to go. I mentioned Ochak Baji struggled offensively in that game. He made those big impacts defensively, but one of the best plays he made offensively had a couple big ones. This was one in the in the first half. It was a beautifully um, well-executed. Like Every so often, there will be plays throughout the season. It would usually happen a couple times a game with Ochai especially, where you go, that's a pro move. That was the case for this one with Ochai. He gets his defender kind of sized up at the right wing in transition, and then he just sets him up with a hezzy crossover jump shot. Unfortunately, he was like, a foot inside the three-point line, but he knocks it down. It was filthy, and that was a pro move from Ochai. Number four. Number four, KU's down at this point. Um, honestly, the Remy Martin charge that he took probably was missing here. That probably could have been in the top 10 because Providence is up 48-47, and Providence has the ball as well. They get it in transition, and Remy Martin takes a huge charge for KU. It gets them the ball back. Following that, though, is our number four play. It happens with five and a half minutes to go with KU down by a point. KU enters the ball to Jalen Wilson. He drives in, does a couple uh, 
pivot moves, spins around on his foot, gets contact from Horkler. I believe it was Horkler. It might have been Manaya. And he finishes over him through contact, gets the foul. It was a huge play. Got KU back to lead and one on top of it. That was a huge make. One of the biggest plays that Jalen made over the course of the NCAA tournament. It wasn't the best shooting performance for Jalen over the six games, but boy, did he have some gigantic and ones and make a, a ton of huge rebounds and kind of grind it out plays for KU along the way. Number three. Third biggest play comes in the first half, a little under eight minutes to go. KU's up 15 to eight. Remy Martin sizing up the, his defender, doesn't even get a screen, just kind of drives him to the top of that semicircle. So a few feet in from the top of the three-point line, he pump fakes. I, I think it was Durham on defense of him. And Durham then goes into him with the um, kind of shot fake and, and hand in the air. And Remy shoots it anyway, and he knocks down a tilted jumper that is very well contested by the Providence defense. Again, just a remarkable effort of shooting display from Remy Martin. Number two. Number two play came really early in the game. A little under 17 minutes to go. We're tied 2-2. Two to two. KU gets the break. Ochai leads it in the middle. Passes up to the right to Dewan Harris. Dewan goes to the rim, and when he catches it, looks like he's going to get an easy layup. But on comes an athletic player from Providence out of the middle that looks like he is about to swat that thing into Sunday. So Dewan, just with eyes in the back of his head, flings a sidewinding pass, cutting through the middle of the defense, knifing through. Christian Brown grabs it. Christian Brown goes up off one foot. Two-handed slam for Christian Brown. Great emphasis on passing and kind of everybody working together there for KU. But the number one play. Number one. For KU in their Sweet 16 win over Providence is. You can probably guess this one. It was the confluence most importance of um, importance to the game, moment, fun play to watch, big-time players late in the game. 55-50, KU was leading it. A little over three minutes to go. Christian Brown has it up top. They draw up the alley-oop for Ochagbaji, cuts in at the three-point line, grabs it, um, goes down, drops the anchor on the Providence defense, and that kind of felt like the... It wasn't, but it kind of felt like the dagger in addition to being just such an awesome play to watch. All right, back to you guys. That is the top 10 list from KU's Sweet 16 win over Providence.